0: This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation and botanicals, and each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42 are alcohol-free and pair so perfectly. With just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and they are so delicious. You'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore N-A. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code THISFAMILYTREE10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello everybody, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 158.
1: Let me guess, this is going to be a great one.
0: It's going to be a great one, Woo! obviously. We have Nicole Barone here tonight, she's a This Family Tree Podcast second timer, and I was so glad to get her back, and we talk about goal setting, intentionality, how we you know, have the capability of kind of poisoning ourselves in our mind when we are doing goal setting. So get into all of that. You're going to love it. You're going to get a lot from it. And yeah, hope you folks enjoy it. But Shane, cheers, baby. We got our non-alcoholic Seedlip cocktail for the night.
1: What kind we got here?
0: We just got Seedlip Garden 108 Mm. and a little tonic. Keeping it simple.
1: Keep it simple. Keep it classy. Right? This is good. Exactly what I need in the new year.
0: I... I'm loving the seed lip right now. This is, aside from the ad, (laughs) everything, because I really am feeling, today, anyway, I'm feeling really good about myself. I got on the Peloton today, got all my work done today.
1: Let me take a look at you and do a little spin. Oh my goodness, jeez. Did
0: you see the confidence? Yeah. Thank you. emanating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Confidence off your butt, especially.
0: (laughs) Get out of here, but honestly, the seed lip, it's so nice because it, it still makes me feel like I'm like keeping up with what I'm trying to do without, you know, getting drunk.
1: Yeah. Nice. I know, I hear you.
0: But Shane, yeah. We've got a couple things that we need to talk about tonight. Uh oh. First thing I want to start off I went on a date ish with your friend yesterday.
1: Yeah, it takes a very confident man to allow (laughs) another man to take your wife out on the town. But that's the type of guy I am.
0: So myself and Shane's friend, we can say names. Sure, yeah, Yeah. of course. Unless you
1: did something uh, unbecoming.
0: (laughs) So myself and Shane's friend, John, uh, we took our daughters out because he has a daughter who is good friends with Lucy and Betty. They play basketball every Sunday morning together. And then after basketball, John and I took the girls uh, to brunch and then to a movie theater.
1: I was at home working on the TV show. John is one of the writers from the TV show. And I also work with him at my nine to five job. So yeah. I trust him.
0: Well, and his his wife is on vacation, but she knew about the movie and everything. Because that was the only thing I was like, Shane is obviously comfortable with this. I'm comfortable with this. Like John's like such a he feels like a cousin. You know what mm-hmm. I
1: mean? Sometimes there's kissing cousins, though.
0: Well, not in this case, Shane. But I got to say, it was kind of funny. So I was just looking forward to it, right? Because we were going to see Kiki's Delivery Service, which is a Japanese anime movie. It's like such a beautiful story. The animation's gorgeous. And we were going out to brunch to like a really fun place, the Electric Diner in Hamilton. And everything was like just super fun and normal. But then walking into the restaurant, I had gone and take a pee.
1: Did you hold hands?
0: Uh, not yet in the, I'm just joking, but they're walking in, we're all walking in. I go to take a pee. I come back and I make a joke because I started kind of thinking about it in the bathroom. I was like, is this weird? I don't find it weird, but other people, cause Before I left for the bathroom, I noticed where the girls are sitting, all the kids wanted to sit beside each other on one side of the booth. So then it was me and John beside each other on the other side of the booth, as you and I might sit together. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, what do I do to make this funny or whatever? So I came back and I was like, whoa, look at my favorite blended family. And uh, it was a terrible joke. But...
1: That was a joke? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I guess there's humor there because you're not in the blend. Yes. I get it. I get it.
0: So then I take my seat beside John, and he was telling me how the uh, manager of the restaurant had come up because he was trying to wrangle all three kids into the booth. And she's like, "Oh, I've got three too. I know how you guys feel." And he's like, "No, we're we're not. I have one. She has two. We're not in the same." And I was like, "They're gonna think something weird's going on." Mm-hmm. And then our waitress, even at the end, you know, we had dined, we ate, and everything. And then I was like, okay, can you please put these things on my bill and then he'll pay for her. And then she just kind of looked at me like, this is a weird thing for a family to do. But I I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anything to say. So I just kept looking at her and nodding and smiling like I was nuts. And uh, it was just kind of funny. And then once we got to the movie theater, John and his daughter, Josephine, had gotten there like seconds before us. So they were ahead of us in line. And they're like five people behind him. And he goes, Alex, come on. But I like we're not a family. I was essentially butting. I hate line butters so much. I hate line cutters. I didn't want to be one, but I justified it cuz I was like they're all just going to assume that that's my husband and we're going up to pay together. But then we paid separately, so then I felt yeah.
1: caught. Yeah, that's a that's a tough position to be in. A humorous position to be in, though. It's like you're Larry David for our generation.
0: Thank you. But Shane Were you uh, jealous at all?
1: No, of course not.
0: I thought you were going to say of me getting to go out with John.
1: Okay, wait. Yeah, I am jealous (laughs) of you getting to hang with my buddy. Would you be jealous if I went out with one of your friends?
0: Well, this is why I was asking because I was thinking about that. And I have friends who I just wouldn't be jealous because I just trust them so implicitly and... They're just like so fun and goofy and I just – I wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. But then I have other friends who I – honestly, even though I mostly trust them, I just wouldn't feel comfortable with it. And it just – it depends on their personality, your relationship with them, like how well you know them or not. You know what I mean? And I think the better you know somebody, it it takes away any jealousy from me because then it's just more of like a big family thing. But then I was thinking, do you have friends who if I – went out with them to a movie you would get jealous of
1: i'd like to think not maybe but i'd like to think not
0: what if it was just like old me and old maxi boy going to catch a flick on a sunday afternoon
1: no him i wouldn't care as much no
0: then i i don't yeah then i think you're probably pretty good because he's the only like, single childless person that might
1: children don't affect whether they're going to get jiggy <laughs> with it though pardon my french
0: no, who's that guy? Who's that famous guy? He's like for young people, though, but he likes moms.
1: Oh, um, no, I don't know actually.
0: It's like some rapper guy. He took out
1: rapper guy who likes moms. He
0: took out Addison Ray's mom to an award show. Oh,
1: um, he's a white guy. Yeah,
0: he's like young country. Young, yeah,
1: young young gravy.
0: Young gravy. See, for every for every mom, there's a young gravy. Just wait to get in there.
1: What are you talking <laughs> about, Alex? <laughs> no, okay. I'm trying to segue <laughs> into my next topic. Let's hear it.
0: And it's not a topic. It's just something I need to rant about really quick. So I went to pick up Lucy from school today. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting out of my car, like in front of the school, I just hear like a, voom, 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 like a bass just pounding. So I'm assuming it's from a car down the street but as I'm walking toward the school, it's getting louder and louder. There is a parent or somebody waiting to pick up their child from school, blasting. When I walked past that car, like my hearing went shot. It hurt so bad. Blasting Biggie Smalls Hypnotize. That song has so many swear words in it, is so inappropriate, and they're sitting outside of an elementary school blasting it.
1: Does it have that many swears? Shane,
0: the first verse is like N word S word F word talking about sex. On oh,
1: the ki- it was in with the kids. Yes? Oh my goodness.
0: Yes. It was it was wild and nobody what I found even wilder is that nobody is like Looking around. Because usually you can make eyes with other parents and kind of shrug and be like, well, what's going on here? Are
1: you sure it wasn't the kid version of that song? You know how sometimes they do like kid versions?
0: Positive.
1: What's that called? The one we have? It's all Censored? a xylophone? Oh, Censored. baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we we have the um the rock on baby Yeah, or rock-a-bye baby. Rock-a-bye baby. Yes. No, it was a uh, full-on biggie. Which, hey, I love. But not in front of a children's elementary school. But nobody was... Nobody was like, oh, this is weird. I was the only one, and I was looking around the playground for somebody to make eyes with to be like, what's going on here? Nobody was meeting me in the eye.
1: Yeah, I can understand. That's a pet peeve for me. No uh, <laughs> racially charged rap, swear-laden <laughs> hip-hop songs.
0: Great. What would you have done, though?
1: I love the song, so I'd say I turn same. it up. But that, that was one of my favorite songs. It's up. a
0: great song. It's yeah, a great song. It was in
1: grade seven that came out or maybe that's just when it was big I don't know
0: well see I discovered Tupac and Biggie when I was in grade seven and I remember very distinctly my friend Nick Savis bringing uh Tupac CD like in his Discman mm-hmm. to school and we all just sat there at recess sharing a headphone and all listening to it at the same time and it was like very illuminating and awesome
1: but how young is too young you think obviously lucy's age being four when can you introduce the classic rap
0: well i mean you can't just introduce songs with like n word f word s word to
1: other people's kids okay that wasn't the question when can you listen to music like that if you're a young person like what's the youngest you can be can you be 10 I think
0: grade, I think grade seven is just a good standard age because then you could give them a little talk and to give them a little history of different language. I say eleven. How? What grade is that?
1: I don't know. I'm just saying eleven. I don't know grades. I think that's like
0: grade, grade. That's like grade five. That's like grade five. That's young.
1: Well, I think that's the appropriate age.
0: <laughs> grade five hit him up with some biggie.
1: I don't care about grades. I just well, like wait. eleven. You gotta be Do eleven. Do you
0: censor it at that point?
1: No, who cares? They're smart enough to know you don't use certain language, some things you can hear and not say. And, you know, it's like watching a movie. You don't do everything Bruce Willis does in <laughs> die hard.
0: I think I was about 11 when I first saw Pulp Fiction for the first time.
1: Yeah, see, there you go.
0: All right, that's fair. I turned out okay-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shane, yeah, I've had people writing in. We've alluded to this story on the podcast. I've talked about it a lot on this Family Tree Instagram account. Our brush with mold in the mold industry. So we, backstory, I took the girls to the doctors. We have a new pediatrician who's great. And the kids have a lot of symptoms that are similar to each other. But Shane and I also had these symptoms as kids, like really bad eczema. Lucy's got abnormally sized tonsils.
1: As did I when I was a child.
0: Uh, Yeah, they're really freaky. And... Anyway, so she was like, oh, do you know if you have mold in your house? You should get your house checked for mold. So I come home. I'm freaking out. I look up the best mold service in Hamilton, give them a call. Guy comes the next day. And I was at work, so Shane was home to deal with it.
1: Yeah, you kind of just told me, a mold guy's (laughs) coming over. I didn't know I had to be with him for two and a half hours. I didn't know that. To say this guy had the gift of gab would be an understatement. (laughs) Okay, so he shows up. And he has the knowledge. So he's not just showing up just thinking, oh, the, these aren't fear ridden people worried about their kids who might have a mold infestation. He's showing up with that knowledge because you had apparently told him, my kids' room might be littered with mold and they're sick and, you know, we might have to sell the house or whatever you told him.
0: <laughs> I was panicked. So
1: he knew we were ripe for the picking. <laughs> And if you're ever gonna fraud anyone, it's people with uh, two kids who may have a, you know, a mold infection. And I'm not saying this whole industry is corrupt, but I am saying there is a prevalence towards people in the mold industry to take advantage of your ignorance toward it and how bad mold is for you and the levels, and they use a lot of hocus pocus and fancy language and absurd billing costs, and they prey on your worst fears. Should they be told up front uh, what your fears are so anyway he showed up and he looked in the room hoping to find a lot more mold just by his eyes and you know running his white glove on our (laughs) windowsill but he didn't find a lot and he so he's like can I take a look around in other rooms in your house and I'm just like well you know they sleep here so if it's not at the if it's not here it's probably fine he's I insist just let me take a look he goes to the washroom and looks in the shower. Now, mold needs a lot of condensation to mm-hmm. to develop. So almost everyone's shower is going to have a little bit of mold. And he looks, he's like, oh my, my goodness. He's like, there's mold in here, there's mold. He's like, are you squeegeeing down every time you have after a shower? I say, of course not. He goes, do you get a towel on the ground? And after you have a shower and you get in the shower with the towel, I'm like, I don't use a squeegee. You think I'm doing the <laughs> towel method? No, I do not do that. He's faking like he's stressed. Now and he's got a shaved head, but he's like running his fingers through his hair. He's like, oh, geez, okay. He's like, where do you sleep? I go, okay, our, our bedroom's down the hall. He goes, do you mind if I take a look? I go, okay. I'm like, I'm just gonna wait here. I'm a little bit busy because I'm I'm doing my You're nine working. to five job. So he takes a look around for 20 minutes. He calls me up. He goes, hey, I don't want to tell you this. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's bad. <laughs> he's like a lot of guys in this industry. They're going to, uh, he, he goes on about how like other people are going to fraud me, but he's not. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get the best cleaning crew in here. I don't make a dime off these guys, but I know them. I'm going to get the fog machines in here. And he's using all this language. He's like, I don't make any money. But he's saying it so adamantly, I'm thinking he's gotta be making money. He's gotta be making a cut. Of course. So I'm furiously messaging you. And you know, when I'm upset, I kind of I exaggerate. So I'm, I go, this guy's gonna try to charge us $5,000, Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish you didn't tell him all this info. He's gonna try to charge us five to 10, thinking it, he might try to charge us 500, which is still too much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, then he goes, okay, I gotta test the whole house. I'm like, don't test the whole house, please. I go, let's do one room at a time. How, how much does each room cost? He goes, 180 bucks. He goes, but we got to do a fake test too, the fake test costs 180. I go, what's the fake test for? He goes, it just does the baseline. It it tells like the what the baseline quality of air. Is. It
0: was the outside air. Yeah.
1: I go, where do you do it? He goes, outside. You oh go outside to see if there's mold outside. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but. I can't really do it if it's overcast or too windy or this. I'm like, well, it's kind of windy. I'm like, I don't think you're going to get an accurate reading. He goes, I have to do this. He goes outside. He can't find an electrical outlet outside. And I don't know where they are. So he's willing to do it inside our house, the fake test, which I don't know. So he's just like, he wants that 180 bucks. He's just going willy nilly. Yeah. And then I go, just do the kids room, please. I'm like, that is the... That's the heart of the problem. I'm like, if there is a cancer, it's in that room, okay? <laughs> and then he goes, but that's not one room. He goes, those are two rooms where your kids sleep. Oh, please. So Lucy sleeps in essentially like this tiny little closet, but he's calling it two rooms. So he's trying to get me to do 180 and 180 in this little, but I refuse. Mm-hmm. So I say, just pick one of the rooms and do it in there, okay? <laughs> he goes, okay. But, but then he start, he starts thinking, He's like, but if I do one of the rooms, what if the room I don't do has mold? And he really wants to get a high mold detection. So he comes up with this idea to do it on the bi- like the, the middle of the doorway <laughs> between the two rooms. Even though that he said, it, I'm like, I thought you said it had to be in one room or the other. <laughs> so then he thinks, and he, he wants to keep his integrity. So he's like, okay, I'll do it in Lucy's room. Runs the test. I know for a fact the air is fine and all that. We three weeks later we get the results perfect air quality but he still sends you a estimate for what how much yeah.
0: okay so he goes the air and he's telling me on the phone they told this to shane too he's like this air test is going to pick up even the tiniest mold spores but that's good because then we know if we got to knock down walls and get to the drywall and it's all leading up to him wanting to do this big job and the air test came back perfect Not even low levels of mold. No mold. Nothing.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, before he leaves? (laughs) Yeah. He can tell like I'm sick of him because he's just talking (laughs) so much. But he turns before he leaves and he's like, maybe just have the girls sleep in another room. (laughs) Just, he's like, I'm trying to have kids myself. He goes into this whole story about how he's trying to have kids with his wife. He's like, just, I wouldn't have him sleep in that room. And he's like trying to cheer up or something. And I'm thinking... Well, you haven't tested anywhere else. You haven't looked in our mm-hmm. other rooms. What makes you think those are safe?
0: Yeah. And I, I have to note too that when he when Shane said that he found small amounts of mold in the one room it was because those were from windows that we keep open so it's just like natural mold spores coming from outside and kind of landing on the windowsill which is super easily cleaned up with like borax like it's very easy for a homeowner to just clean that
1: well the fog machine that he said is going to do the cleaning i looked it up the fog machine is bad for your health too if you inhale those chemicals and it's worse than mold I watched this whole ABC doc. I became obsessed with mold <laughs> fraud. It's very prevalent. And, like, in the, the, the ABC investigative reporter that I watched on YouTube, she talked to seven mold people, four of them tried scamming her. So it's over 50%, at least in that little isolated survey. So, and when he looked at our drapes, he's like, oh no. He's like, I, there's no way you would know this, but. These are mold drapes. Mold drapes. I'm like mold drapes. What do you mean? He's like they're too heavy. You gotta have light drapes. You don't. You don't know. They, these look great, but they're mold drapes. I'm like, oh, okay. So he just wanted to redecorate the house, and he, he had
0: a decorator too under his uh, payroll.
1: And anytime somebody says, "I'm not trying to scam you," like five times in a conversation, or like, "I'm not racist," you know they're about to say something racist, or they're mm-hmm. gonna scam. You. Anytime someone's saying they're not doing something, they're probably doing it. Or yeah, thinking about it.
0: Oh, 100%. Like if a guy ever comes up to me in a bar and is like, I'm not going to follow you to your car and lock you in it tonight. Like I am calling the police and running away. Right? Huge red flag.
1: Of course. But, but- <laughs> it's more like if he was saying, I'm not hitting on you.
0: No, absolutely. But so like Shane was saying, we get the bill back, right? So clean bill of health, no mold in the house. He sends me... What he calls me immediately after giving the
1: results. A oh, hundred times he called.
0: You. I, I yeah. So I didn't pick up the call because we're celebrating Christmas at the cottage with my family. On the
1: holidays. He's yeah.
0: Doing. He emails me. He texts me. Two hours later, he calls me. He emails me. He emails me. He texts me. And then the next morning, he calls me, emails me, and texts me. He is in a panic. This man wants my money. I feel
1: bad for. I almost wanted to give it to him. Like the, <laughs> well, because let, he was a desperate man.
0: Well, let me... I got to say how much he wanted because thinking about that number again is ludicrous. So he sent me an estimate for the work that he thought we should do for our house that had no detectable levels of mold. Yeah. That job was $7,000. 7000 It was six nine. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. $7,000. So he wanted to get a cleaning crew in there I don't know if that went into... And he gave me an itemized receipt, but every single item, there were 20 items lifted. Every single one was the same. And it just said, mold cleaning, mold cleaning, mold cleaning 20 times. So it wasn't even like, where are you cleaning? Are you taking down walls for $7,000? Are you like replacing all of the drywall in the rooms for me? Like what's going on for that price?
1: They don't even know.
0: No, clearly. But it was just... Is such a weird experience and I know that some houses do have really extreme problems with mold but I mean on the flip side the big mold industry is apparently incredibly fraudulent so
1: oh yeah and he he was telling me how he went to school for this and everything I look up the schooling's a three and a half hour course <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we can become mold of experts Shane. Uh, on the
1: ABC investigative report. The reporter said she got certified. She holds it up at the end and she's like, trust me, I'm no mold expert and I've got one and you wouldn't want me in inspecting your home. She was quite funny.
0: That's wild. I want to see this doc, but highly recommend you. How'd you find it? I sent it to you.
1: I I sent it when I was furious. I sent you the YouTube. It's a, I say documentary. It's a seven minute YouTube video. I suggest anyone interested in mold, check it out.
0: (laughs) A lot of people are too shockingly. Of course. Yeah.
1: Everyone has mold fear. It sounds so bad. I have mold in my house. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you got to sell your house or you're infested or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, But thank you for taking care of that because that was an incredibly scary situation.
1: Yeah. Let's have more meetings when we're going to call mold guys over (laughs) or anything. Anything over 200 bucks that we're having a guy come to our house and take our time. Don't just assume I'm ready and available for it that costs 400 bucks just for those
0: well you know what i can rest easy knowing that there is no mold without having to pay him more money to come in and take down walls that don't need to be taken down. i wish
1: i could rest easy i still have nightmares (laughs) thinking about that guy
0: (laughs) shane i want to move on and i want to ask you a couple questions do you have questions for me tonight
1: it's 23 minutes deep let's just focus on yours (laughs) what are yours
0: Okay, so this just kind of goes into the conversation I get into with Nicole Barron.
1: Okay, just ask a question.
0: All right, I want to know, what drives you in life? Like, is if you can get it down to one thing, what is that one thing that's motivating you and pushing you forward?
1: I feel like some faceless person called me a loser once in my life, <laughs> and I'm on this quest to prove that I'm not.
0: I like that. I think that's a noble reason. Mine is similar. Mine is, is, it's just wanting to be loved and wanting to love. So just love is the thing. And it's like, I just want to feel that secure hug around me all the time. And that pushes me forward. Whether it's like secure hug from kids, you, strangers, people that I'm meeting for the first time, my family, whatever. And that's just, that's it. It's just like that desire to be loved Mm. i think and i i I think those are probably similar for a whole ton of people in different ways you know
1: yeah probably my same thing i want to prove i can be successful in some way to garner love and respect or something
0: Mm -hmm. and then on the flip side what
1: makes you scared like everything almost everything
0: Yeah, like I was thinking about this today, I wrote a post on it just about how, like, if it's just me at home alone at night with the kids, I'll really go through, I'll have so many intrusive thoughts and I'll go through every scenario possible, like of awful things that could happen. And I'm I'm terrified of like lots of things, but I'm terrified of people coming into the home. Like, I'm so terrified of somebody like invading our space, like our happy little ecosystem we have here. It just feels mm-hmm. so personal. And the thought oh, yeah. of I somebody... Oh, I think about it all the time. Yeah, this is just our happy little ecosystem. And in that thought literally keeps me up at night. And it scares me every single night. And every single night when I tell Lucy there's nothing to be scared of, my mind flashes to all of that stuff and all of those fears. And I'm like... I'm lying. The world's a terrifying place.
1: Today, I was at work and I was walking around and I don't know why, just for a minute, I started pretending that a nuke or an asteroid was coming to the (laughs) earth and we had like four (laughs) hours to live. And I actually scared myself into, I I knew intellectually it wasn't true, but (laughs) I kind of had the like fear of it. Yeah. So I think that's a big fear that, oh, at any time, the earth is like so unstable.
0: So wait, what did you choose to do with your uh, four hours there?
1: Nothing. I knew, <laughs> but I still had a f- weird fear or mild synthetic panic or something.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's so w- That's it's, and, and nuts, I, yeah. Like
1: you, when I'm walking in the house, I always think, what if a guy's just in there and I got a, what weapon would I grab? I'm thinking about it constantly, what weapon I would grab and how I would kill someone if they came in the house. Same. Or try to. I think about it all the time.
0: I'm glad to know I'm not alone there. So they're intrusive thoughts for everybody, and I do think they get worse when you're a parent and you have like little kids to protect.
1: Yeah, I've had them all the time, my whole life.
0: Now, with that happy thought, I say let's get to our interview with Nicole.
1: But before we do that, let's tell people who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Mini Miosh. They are a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: They use the best wools and materials. What's it called? Merino wool?
0: Merino wool for a lot of their stuff. Yeah, Shane. Look at you. No, they do believe in quality over quantity. And you can tell. Get any of their clothes for your kid. And you'll just see everything is soft and comfortable and timeless. But super fashionable and modern. It can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender, regardless of the type of event you're going to. I think it's so... Functional and practical, their clothes. And again, just gorgeous quality. And their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact non-toxic dyes.
1: Locally is Toronto to us. Correct. So if you're in Alaska, (laughs) it's probably not locally.
0: (laughs) Mini Miosh also just came out with their women's collection. So this is called the M&West Collection. And it is... They're the best sweatpants, like lounge clothes that I own.
1: Should be called M and Best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So these clothes are simple. They're made of French terry. And like everything else with Mini Miosh, it's all ethically and sustainably made. You can find the company online at mini or at mini-miosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. It's available in Canada and in the U.S. and it is only one use per customer. So load up that cart.
1: Yes, stock up.
0: Again, that is this and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get to our interview with Nicole Baron. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good.
2: I'm... The dogs are out at the groomers, the little ones at school. It's quiet in my house.
0: (laughs) Nicole, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. Nobody's here. And it is the first time in months that I have like been able to get things done. Anything Mm -hmm. in peace. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. a beautiful feeling. I hope you're enjoying it.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I love it. I got like stopped and got um, uh, I don't drink coffee anymore, but. I usually do much in the morning, but I dropped my, cause we're a one car household right now. Um, I dropped my husband off at work after I dropped Caspian off. And I was like, I'm going to go through Starbucks and get a chai tea. And I'm like, this is just so nice to just sit here and
0: have my chai tea latte. <laughs> it's- Isn't it ridiculous? The things that you used to take for granted before mm-hmm. having kids
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you totally relish in now, like I did the same thing, took everybody to work to school. Cause we have one car came home finished a hot coffee in peace, did a workout, got prepped for my interviews. I have a full day of interviews, got prepped for those. And it's like I would have laughed. My 25-year-old version of me would have laughed at how much I'm enjoying this and how much I'm loving every second of it. But, hey, people change. Life takes you in different directions. And it's like I'm so glad I can appreciate this now. I'm so glad my life is so crazy and chaotic because it's fun and it's busy, and I'm so glad that these are like the rare moments. It's it's kind of special in its own weird way. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same. my my twenty my twenty year old self in my twenties would have been like, um, we used to sleep to like eleven every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, one hundred percent. And Nicole, I am so glad to have you back joining me again i really had a great time with you last time and i love this i love your field of expertise and i think it can apply to so much in life and you know we're meeting now in 2023 it's the new year i'm sitting down with resolutions that i'm gonna try to complete and i was like who's a good person to talk about resolutions being the best version of yourself with I don't know why the first thought in my mind was shadow guide, psychic medium, but it was. (laughs) So I was like, let's contact Nicole, see if she's down to talk about these things. So maybe you can answer this because I don't even really know why that was the first thing to come to my mind. Why do you Mm -hmm. think, you know, somebody in your position might be a good person to sit down and talk about these things with? Because I can't even figure out why I intuitively went to you. Well, you're Pisces. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not
2: surprised. First of all, also, thank you for having me again. I'm really excited when you reach out. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Let's (laughs) do it. you know, a lot of like the healing work and stuff like that. And even being someone who, you know, being a psychic medium is not my whole identity. It's just a part of, of it. But I like to like have that as like What people know they're getting into because spirituality to me is really important because when you're connecting with your higher self, it's it's very whether you realize it when you go into your healing journey or not, you're going to build this new relationship with your higher self. Which sometimes out there people have this idea or concept that your higher self is like your your is perfectionism, and I'm like no 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 that is not what higher self is. Higher self is the essence of you that can see the full spectrum of who you are. Like it has an eagle's eye view. It it it's your shadow and light and integration and your golden—it's all of these things. It can see that without judgment. It cut. It's with compassion. It's with understanding and awareness. And it is a just sacred space holder. So I think when people are looking to start resolutions or intentions, um, you know, people most people like a fresh fresh start. Like we like a new beginning that feels yummy and like exciting. And but with that comes right like sometimes the inner critic can come out if you didn't keep up with it. The perfectionism wounds can come out when if you didn't keep up with it. Um, I think it's really important with intention setting and goal setting that you are coming from a place of authenticity, not what you've been programmed to believe is what makes you a valuable person to society or this world. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really surprise me that you're like, who would be, as opposed to like this idea of like, I have to accomplish these things because this is what I've been told or am still being told makes me a valuable person, mm-hmm. or this is what makes me important and is worthy of this and getting really clear on, you know, what's authentic to me. Like what is really also, I think, based as spiritual and woo-woo as I am, I'm, I'm very someone that's like, let's be based in reality. Let's look at your capacity your, your, I just did a post on like capacity and capability and like understanding the difference and your resources that are accessible to you. I'm, I'm all about like having a bigger vision for yourself. I'm all about like people, you know, manifesting to me is like a very broad blanket term. If that's like your jam, cool. But you also have to, I think, be based in reality, Being like what resources are accessible to me and can support me, whether it's friends, family, community, but also your own inner resources. Like what capacity do I have? What do I have an abundance of? And also tuning into your body. Like some of the most powerful work that I've done is really like, well, what does it feel like to be resourced in my body? So I can make choices that support that. So I'm not fragmenting my energy and then, you know, getting reactive or resentful or beating myself up and, you know, putting myself down because your higher self, you know, can see all of this and it's like, okay, like I'm here to support you. I'm here to like work with you, but you know, the human experience is messy. And so when we're setting goals and we're setting intentions, I think it's so important to be so radically honest with ourselves and compassionate with ourselves and not come from a place of like, the world's perspective, but what we truly need and what we want for our personal growth
0: in life. So the higher self then, I'm, I'm gonna say it in my terms just to see that I can get it clearly. It's all of us, things we're good at, things we're bad at, our faults maybe the ways in which we are not a good person, like recognizing every aspect of ourself. And I totally agree with goal setting as something that needs to be authentic. Cause like how many times, listeners, I can guarantee everybody will raise their hand at least once in your life. You set a goal simply because it just sounded like a good goal or whatever. Like in my 20s, maybe it was, you know, I had like very unhealthy thoughts around body image and things. Maybe it was to lose a certain amount of weight. That's because everybody around me was doing it. That's what I thought was good. Maybe it's to simply be a better person. What does that mean? You know, narrow it down, be authentic. How can I actually go out there and be a better person? And I mm-hmm. think that the authenticity behind goal setting is so important. I think it's something that a lot of people leave out without even realizing it. Yeah. Because you have to sit down with it and think about it. And then I think that you might realize your goals are kind of bull for yourself, maybe good for somebody else. And so maybe they don't make sense for you. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. And OK, you were like, OK, Pisces makes sense. Why does that make <laughs> sense? I don't know if you remember. I do not know anything about star signs, astrology. Yeah. Why does it make sense, Nicole?
2: Yeah, well, because you're you're really intuitive. Um, Pisces are really intuitive, and that's part of your vi- vitality. So when we're looking at, so I'm a Pisces rising, so I get along with Pisces really well. So the way that you feel your like vitality, I see the world through that lens. Like that's how I, I see the world. Okay. Is like through. I guess like your vital nature. (laughs) That's how I see it. So I vibe with Pisces really well. Um, and your, your main star sign, which is Pisces, like it is part of your like vital essence to follow your intuitive nature. Like it's, it's kind of like your, how do I explain it? Like solar panel. (laughs) Okay. All right.
0: Keeps me going.
2: Yeah. So it's like sustainable. It's gonna, so whenever someone's like talking about a sun sign or a star sign, I'm like, you know, people, there's a lot in astrology now out there that being like, don't read horoscopes for your sun sign. And most horoscopes when they're based on like the other planetary stuff, you should be rise, reading through your rising. But there is, I think sun sign, because it was like the common thing kind of got poo put on and discarded mm-hmm. is not that important of a placement. I'm like, oh no, it's so great. Cause it tells you what you're like vital nature needs in a sustainable way and i i think it when you tune into your sun sign especially when you find out the sign it's in and the house it's in it can tell you where like sustainable energy resource is which can just help you like move through life in a much healthier way in a place from wellness that's true to you that's authentic to you so it's like you said it may not make sense to other people mm-hmm. so like you you need like this what you're doing right now your quiet space like you need that you need to, like, go into, like, a sensory deprivation sort of situation almost and, like, be like, shh, I just need to <laughs>
0: – Have you ever need- done that, by the way? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Shane, she, we used to have a membership. There was an amazing place around us, and we used to go, like, weekly, especially in the winter when it was really cold, and we'd go in and we'd go in the salt tanks, mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal, but the place shut down, and they took, like, 300 oh. of our dollars because we didn't use up all oh. of our uh, – Membership. But whatever, whatever. Won't hold against them. I love that kind of thing. And for anybody listening, and you think that that might appeal to you, go give it a try because it can be a really beautiful, relaxing, calming experience. Yeah. Now, Nicole, I want to start. Do you have any goals for 2023?
2: Well, I have a few things. I kind of switch it from goals as to things that I was going to give a radical yes to for the year. So my radical yes is saying yes. When someone offers me help or support from like the trader Joe's cashier, who wants to bag it to the hardest one is my husband. <laughs> and he's like, let me help and support you. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Got it. And, and you know, it's been really funny. I'm like, yep, get it for me. And like yesterday I was making, um, I was making a a wand for a friend of mine. (laughs) I'm making him a wand. And I was gluing crystals and I super glued my fingers together. And I like couldn't do anything. And I was like, (laughs) like to my husband, I was like, I need your help. And I was like, I need you to open the applesauce for me and feed it to me. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm gonna say yes. Anytime someone offers me help and support because I have deep ultra-independence wounds. And like I was, you know, speaking of like this programming and what we believe is like most valuable about us. I really at a younger age, a lot of people told me how much they admire my independence, and so I really like took that to an extreme unhealthy route, which, like as humans we can do, we can go to like extremes mm. really easily and go from one extreme to another. and so I really took my values as a person of being independent, but then I got resentful when people weren't helping me, and I was like, well, this is I'm just poisoning myself, like what am I doing here? <laughs> so like my thing right now is like saying yes. And really thinking about it and pausing and, you know, being like, can I use help? Do I need help? And asking for more help. So that's kind of my goal is asking for more help and saying yes to receiving help, which is going to be a like a fun journey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, see, and that's such an important goal that can not only impact yourself, but everybody around you, everybody in your family, your kid, your husband, because then the more that gets taken off of your plate whether it is in like an emotional, a mental, a physical way, whatever. That's going to just make more room for nice things and happiness and finding joy and finding those moments of just total magic that sometimes get clouded by all the shit we have going on. And I think that's such an important goal. And I think that's a goal that so many of us could find uh, valuable. I think that's yeah. such a good one. Especially the mamas out there, I feel like, especially the moms. Yes. yes, seriously. And, you know, I just got out of an interview where I was speaking to another guest about how a lot of women suffer in silence. Like, whether you're a mom and you're doing it, whether you're a woman doing something else in the workplace, in the home life, in a relationship, often we're suffering in silence because you don't want to put anybody out. You don't want to step on anybody's toes. You don't want to rock the boat. And it's such a toxic trait that comes from a place of like self-preservation and love, and we need to be done with that, right? And a part of that, I think, is is asking for help and being open to letting people help you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, and like, you know, my son's really great about
2: asking for help, and so what's helped me even with asking for help is just like going back to like my childlike vibrancy of. Because we just, we all have an inner child and we have our wounded inner child and we have like our inner child that's just with us forever. And that doesn't go away just because you become an adult. And I think sometimes we go, well, I'm a grown up. I should be able to do everything on my own. And it's like, no, like
0: we can see as a society that that's not working. <laughs> Big time. Big time. And I want to ask you about my goals because I need mm. help. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So my goal, and it's, I was talking to Shane about this on the podcast last week, and I kind of got pissed off at him after because he wasn't understanding precisely what I meant. So I'm going to see, I'm going to see if we can kind of figure it out here. But I was saying that I want to really try to banish imposter syndrome this year. I know it's going to be a long process. It'll be over a year, but I really want to start taking positive steps to doing that. And you know, I read your post on poisoning yourself, and I thought that it was so important. And I want to get into that after, but I think one way that I poison myself is by frequently telling myself, I can't do that, or what I have to say is not valuable, or what I'm doing isn't valuable, whatever. And Mm -hmm. so when I was talking about this with Shane on the podcast, he was saying, well, you know, start setting goals, um, like smaller goals and getting those done and doing the things to get the end result. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but that's, it's slightly different because I could be doing that. And I've had moments in my life where I've said, okay, I'm going to do every step to get to the end result and I do it successfully. And then I'm there in the end and I should be like, celebrating and being so happy and proud of myself but I'll be like I'm full of shit everything that comes out of my mouth is not valuable yes maybe I'm being authentic but none of it has any worth I'm not good at anything I don't deserve to be here I don't deserve to be getting the good things that are happening to me who am I I'm just a big bullshitter but I'm not a bullshitter. I'm not like, I don't actually believe that. But in times of like success, I feel that. And then sometimes it even stops me from making plans and taking action. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, what's the point? I don't have anything valuable to say anyway, when I know that isn't the case. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: I'm looking for ways to get over that or start to kind of heal from any feelings of I guess, invalidation that I may have had or experienced and realized that, no, like, there is value. I have experience. I have knowledge. I can make a difference.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Two things come to mind. One is, well, one thing I like to just, even with setting goals or just moving through the world, anyone that has a uterus or menstruates, is going to set goals differently than someone with who's ba- like running on testosterone so a male. So I think sometimes we approach goal setting through a very testosterone driven way mm-hmm. and so we get frustrated we get frustrated right? because we know our essence knows like this ain't it for us like our energy is not meant to run this way like we're like the phases of the moon it is not you know it, even just like the Monday through Friday job 8 hours a day like that's based on testosterone like that's based on being able like you know, if you are menstruating, and you have a uterus. You are ebbing and flowing. Like that mm-hmm. is how you navigate through the through the world. And so, I think like honoring that is really important. But we still have all these narratives that are telling us like this other way to do it. But I guess I'd be curious for you if this is like kind of like an ego death you could go through because you're so, at least from right like conversations I've had with you, and then like your social media, like watching you on social media. You're so passionate about it. So I wonder if you focus more on the message rather than the vessel that it's being channeled through, which is you, Mm -hmm. that that might create some space to, to not like, I don't want to go to like, let's destroy imposter syndrome. Because I think when we go in this like aspect of like, you know, going through this, I think that kind of sets us up for, I want to say like kind of like an aggressive (laughs) standpoint, which isn't like really beneficial, right? Like it's going to lead to more resentment and frustration because we're trying to, we're
0: trying to slay a dragon that we shouldn't actually be trying to slay per se. Nicole. Okay. This is that guys, this is perfect. And you are (laughs) the person I need to talk to because I attack everything with aggression, whether it is like positive aggression or negative Mm -hmm. aggression, in a sense, when there's like something I'm passionate about or like really want to get done, I just go balls to the wall until I like pass out. You know what I mean? In a positive or negative way, I put everything I have at it and then I'm just empty. So I need to change that.
2: Well, I wonder if you're using, like, you're trying to run it through a sense of like, almost like a literal, if you're trying to channel your, the, t- the, t- the hormone testosterone in your body, and that's why you get burnout. Cause that's not sustainable to you, yeah. you know, yeah. your mom. So I'm making the very <laughs> scientific thing. You have a uterus. and But so like, you know, and then if you feel burnout and resentment, I think it's just because like, you might be going through like, it's like your higher self's like, this ain't it girl. <laughs> like You know, like this is not helping you or anyone else to navigate through life. So like, you know, it's a, it's a deep programming. That's why I'm like, don't go into it. Like trying to slay the dragon. We're trying to like understand the dragon and sit down with it and have a nice cup of tea, <laughs> Per se, like this. integrate it and integrate it in there because your, your passion, like your, you have this even though you I don't know the rest of your chart, but like, I'm like, very curious. I'm like, where's your fire placements or your earth placement. And so you go in this really passionately. And so, it, you know, I guess I'd be curious of like a little step or exploration step for you. As you like dive into the, what I call like the void of this, like going into the unknown of it, what feels safer to you to approach it through a masculine rather than your divine feminine? Is it urgency? Cause you want results fast. Is it, a sense of control? Is it, you know, I'm trying to think of like divine masculine things, but I'm just curious. Definitely urgency. Urgency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if it doesn't, cause the divine feminine in its healthiest state in a sense of like health being not perfection, but just like what's best for you energetically, you know, may register the most is like authentic to you is patience. Like mm-hmm. being able to have patience, being My shadow animal, and I find a lot of people relate to this and tell me like, if this is like, oh, um, is spider and spider is about being process oriented rather than results driven and about being in the process of building your web and understanding like your web, which might help you with some imposter syndrome too. Your web's not going to look like everyone else's. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to like, you don't see spider webs that all look the same. Right. So. It's really about balancing, um, being in the process, allowing yourself to be messy. If a hole comes in, you can go repair it like you, or you can love it. There's no, there's no urgency. You have a bunch of other abundance around you. If there's like a little hole and tear in there, you'll get to it when you get to it. So I think like too, with like imposter syndrome, because I think most humans are like, I want to live authentically. Like, and there's this part of you tell me this resonates with you. That's like, I know like it is part of whether you want to call it purpose or soul journey, whatever it is to speak up and, and share these things and use my voice in this way. Like, it sounds like you're really yes. wanting to use your voice in this. Yeah. And so many, you know, women or those born and raised female and through like the lens of feminine, so much throat healing that we're all doing to express our truth and express ourselves. I feel like also in a way that I don't know if you resonate with this, that I was really brought up like talk like a Disney princess and wrap everything in cotton candy rainbows. (sighs) Otherwise you're going to offend people and you're going to be a bitch or Whatever you want to call it. And so I would get really passionate and excited. And I would come across (laughs) to certain people because I'm a woman and I'm feminine presenting that I was like too intense or too undigestible. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women that maybe struggle with imposter syndrome, it comes to a sense of digestibility. And I don't know when you get that burnout, if your stomach goes out of whack, cause that's your stomach being like, you're trying to make yourself more digestible for the world than going in with your truth. And that fragments your energy. And I think sometimes imposter syndrome is us having the awareness being like, I'm fragmenting who I am and actually not showing up as my whole self. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it to make myself more digestible for other people. And it doesn't serve you in the long run. Like, that's why you feel burned out. That's why you're like, well, I feel like shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This actually doesn't feel good. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I think, yeah, attacking things with urgency has never served me. I don't know why I keep doing it. And you sound a lot like my husband. He is very much a process person. He builds that web. He knows that web front and back, you know, like the back of his hand. I want to do that. I want to be not that person, because that would be inauthentic. But I want to be more of that person, because I need, I need to do that in order to balance out the urgency that I have for things. Mm-hmm. And like, I, it's it's hard to learn how to be one way, or you know, integrate parts of one aspect of living when you are another way. But it, it doesn't yeah. serve me to be all the way that I am. I need to start learning and taking from other people and, you know, learning how they do things and what they do to help me get on track because it – I am so disorganized, Nicole. I cannot even begin to tell you. And I have been trying my whole life to not be this way. But it is like – it's like I'm a magnet for chaos. I don't know Why? <laughs> But is it organized chaos? Is it where you know where everything is and
2: other people don't? And so then you like internalize that as being disorganized? 80% of the
0: time. 20% of the time, I don't know what the fuck is going on either. But (laughs) 80% of the time, (laughs) it is organized chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But none of us
2: do. And I guess I'd be interested if like – so like when I have a goal or a vision, right? Like I see it and then I work backwards. Mm Mm-hmm. So I go kind of like, this is, cause I'm a very broad spectrum. Like this is the big thing. And then I work my way backwards sort of around like, what tools do I need for this? Like, what's going to support me? I start with that. Like, what's actually going to support me? Not like, oh, I have to do this. So like, I'm trying to finish a book, right? So like, my thing is like, finish the book. I know what the book, like I have the vision for it. I know this whole thing. And then I work my way back, but I'm not working my back of, way back of like, I'm going to start with the outline of the book. I'm looking at like. What resources do I actually need for book? Oh, I need this much time alone. I need, you know, to have, cause I do a lot of notes on my note app. I need plenty of cloud space. And I kind of start with like these, these things that don't actually have anything to do with like my creativity. So like, I don't, I don't feel like this sense of like, I'm not being creative enough for this is, you know, I know I'm going to need an editor cause the way I write is just, chaotic. So like, I relate with you with, it's a chaos thing. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to info dump and just, and then someone's going to come and like, help me make it, you know, a little more Mm -hmm. cohesive to read. (laughs) So it doesn't read like, I'm just like going off on a million tangents. But then I like, you know, for me, it's like, what do I really need every week or every day if I'm going to write on Tuesdays or Thursdays or whatever it is, or like, am I someone that just is going to feel that inspiration. And, you know, if I, you know, my husband, would. if I was like, I need, I need the weekend alone to write, like, he'd be like, okay, you know, we'll yeah. figure it out. But I think it's being honest with myself. Like, what do I really need to bring into my reality, the full vision of it? And so sometimes with like imposter syndrome when I'm feeling that, cause I, I did a speaking engagement. It was my, literally my dream speaking engagement I, I wrote it down specifically for this company and I got there and I was like going to go up there. And I was like, I wasn't like, this is awful. I was just like, oh, this is not that big of a deal. <laughs> not to like say like, I wasn't yeah. excited to be there, but I was just like, oh, this is really not that, that big of a deal. And if I fall on my face, walking up the steps, my face, you know, I'm here for the message. It's not really about me per se. The ego thing has worked really well of like understanding like healthy detachment. (laughs) But if you're passionate about something, you care about it, like you're going to have some attachment to it, right? Like you're going to invest it in some way. So I don't know for you, if you feel like there's like a, uh, like a gamble there, like what if I put all my time and energy into sharing this and it's not received by the world at all? Like, Mm -hmm. will that feel like this huge loss? So it could be, are you afraid
0: of the grief process if that happens? Yeah, I think that's scary. I think that is so scary because then it's like, what's getting rejected? It's you as a person, your beliefs, your creativity, all all of that, and your hard work. And then it's like all of that just getting rejected. That's terrifying. I'm getting like anxiety right now talking about this. That is so scary. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
2: I am yeah, I mean I've and whenever I have a conversation they're like what do you do? I'm like, oh, I talk to dead people, I do this stuff and they just look at me and I'm like, yep. <laughs> this is where
0: we either walk away or we keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I like that cuz you you have a very clear boundary there and I think yeah. your line of work makes it very easy for people to decide or for you to decide if you're going to mm. carry on. I kind of like that. For me, mm-hmm. maybe people like carry on with me until they find out, you know, that I'm a lefty or that I like a political belief or a something. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, see, ya. I wish yeah. I could be like, hey, I talked to dead people. What do you <laughs> think of them apples? And then they just walk or they stay and everything after that seems kind of normal. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But I think it's so interesting because you're so like you seem so rooted and just so like committed to your values. Like that's such like, it seems like such an unshakable part of you. And like, I would say that's like such an abundant energy source for you. And even with the rejection, like looking at through the lens of value, like do, you know, what is the shadow work you can do the healing work around feeling valued by others and your sense of value? What are your values really about? And just getting like so clear on that. And to me it's also trust. Like you have to trust that you will be received by the people that are meant to receive you. Mm-hmm. And right like I'm sure all of us are like I want millions of people to receive me and then it's like it might be 20, but you know what? 20 is better than 0 and I promise you that you impacted 20 people lives. So like, you know, I think our society is so fixated on abundance from like this mass-produced quantity like a mcdonald's Mm -hmm. thing rather than like a nutrient-dense yummy like sweet potato and steak yeah (laughs) you know so like i don't know if that's like resonates for you of just like some re-narrative writing that you can do for yourself and you know looking at yourself you are the filet and the sweet potato you are not mcdonald's (laughs) sweetie (laughs) all
0: right nicole we're gonna take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by We are supported by True Earth, and if you listen to the podcast, you know that Shane and I have been delving into the True Earth product line to help reduce our environmental footprint.
1: Oh yeah, I'm delving, I'm diving, I'm all (laughs) over True Earth, and they have a fabric softener that I've really gotten into.
0: (laughs) They do. What? They just, just the way you said that, but they did just come out with a fabric softener, and what we love about True Earth is that... Everything is made without plastics. So we don't have a ton of like plastic jugs in the laundry room everywhere, taking up space, spilling all over the place. Their laundry detergent and their fabric softener comes in these pre-measured soluble strips of just like high concentration softener and detergents that you simply rip apart and throw in your machine. They work beautifully. They smell beautifully. And they're so much better for the environment.
1: Want to know a secret? What? I used to like plastic jugs. Now, hate them. <laughs> no, because you, you think you're putting them in the recycle bin. So I used to feel fine about big True. old plastic jugs. You put them in, but a lot of them are getting recycled and people don't realize that. They they see the recycle people yeah. take them away and they say, I'm doing my part. Nope, not always.
0: Well, and when Shane says that a lot of them, that's like 70 to 85%, yeah. a huge majority. Mind-blowing. But the best part about True Earth, as we said, no plastic. And everything just works so well. And as a family, our kids have very sensitive skin. So we usually go for the baby detergent for their clothes because it's fragrance-free, it's gentle on their skin, and it still is so tough on dirt and keeps the clothes super clean. So check out True Earth Detergent and their fabric softeners and their line of other amazing products at True.Earth. And use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your order. Again, that is True.Earth and Tree 10 And now let's get back to the conversation. But no, that really does resonate. And, you know, I think back to friendships, relationships that I had, especially in my really formative years, like in my teenage years and my early 20s. And everything was coming from a place of validation. I wanted to be liked by guys, Mm -hmm. the the guys that I liked. Um, I wanted to be liked by the girls that I was friends with. I wanted to be – especially when I went to university and I left my core group of friends who I really felt safe with, Mm. it was hard for me to find girlfriends that I connected with, especially I went to Western University. It was like a really different – Space, people weren't really valued for being authentic. They were valued for being wealthy, for being white, for fitting in, for wearing Uggs. It's like it was very specific. And I didn't inherently fit in with that, but I really tried to. And I shaped a lot of who I was based on the guy that I liked at the time or the girl group that I was kind of hanging out with. Mm-hmm. And so much of I think what formed my beliefs and my self-doubts now comes from, you know, if I've been rejected by, and I I will say I've been rejected by fewer guys than I have rejected. Like I've done the majority of the rejection, but that's also because I placed myself in that position. Like if I felt like somebody was gonna reject me, I would go and do something so they couldn't. Like Mm -hmm. I'd reject them first. Or I would be the one to intentionally like blow the relationship up and like cheat on the person or do something really dumb to be like, oh, sorry, we can't date anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so much of it comes from that. And I think like that's not who I am anymore in a lot of my in all of my relationships. But I think it lingers in those mm-hmm. ways, like in self-doubt, in imposter syndrome, those kinds of things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Even when we self-sabotage like that, it's because it gives us a sense of control, even if we are, so these narratives, so I call it illusionary safety. We mistake the familiar as safe because it's so part of our story. It is so part of, I, I even say like energetic programming and just how our body responds. So we have all these things being like, yep, this is how we autopilot. This is what we're going to do. We get in these patterns and so even when we do something that like part of us is like, this is not healthy and this is not what I want. And we self-prophesize poison and harm for ourselves because it makes us feel like in control because we want to be, cause so we can't control the external world, right? Like we can do our job too. So like your imposter might have some things to do with like, understand the difference between like that you want to positively influence, but you don't need a control sort of mm-hmm. thing. Like. Like, we all, I think, make our choices of like, how can I positively influence the world to be like a more loving, healthier place? But you obviously can't control the, I mean, you know, like, I think having kids makes that like the most, like, the biggest lesson of being like, oh shit, like, I can't control. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Childbirth and all that stuff. I was like, oh, nope. Um, and so, when you so that's part of surrender. So, like you might really like the the journey of surrender because surrender. We have this idea that if we surrender, especially as I um, actually don't identify as a feminist anymore, but like a lot of the 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 things that uh, you know I was really drawn to with like the feminine feminist movement and stuff, it really kind of um, I, I was fed some really toxic beliefs in the the community that I was a part of. With that, that if I submitted if I was submissive, I was weak. Right. But we all have to submit. We all do. Like that is not weakness. It is, it is saying, it's a, it's saying I trust it's compromise I trust. and yeah. In, compromise. Yeah. Trust. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's part of what we do with the universe though, in some way, like, like something that's helped me when I'm going to do something, right. When I'm going to share something new or put something out there, cause there's not you know, there's still parts of me being like, "Oh man, like, are people going to read this in like this tone?" In my head, that I'm me, mean? <laughs> or like, you know, I still have all these things that come up, and I'm not, you know, trying to slay the dragon. I'm just like, yep, okay, I know that's this age or like this part of my younger self, and I understand why this form sort of thing, but I just, I just trust and surrender to what, and I have that little bit of healthy detachment, being like, I'm just going to put it out there, and just like push the little boat down the river and just be like, okay, it's out there. And now it'll ping wherever it needs to go sort of thing because control, which is very much the masculine, um, very testosterone driven, very much like we have to get results right now in the unhealthy masculine, not the healthy mm-hmm. masculine. But, um, I think that's why like a lot of men are really drawn to stoicism because it's healthy control of self yeah. and self-mastery, but you know, as uterus, having menstruating women, we know it's part of our essence to be submissive to the universe. And it's not because we're weak and it's not because it's because we're already in a flow state. Like we are already in that flow state. We just have to trust that flow state, but there's just so much stuff around us that tells us not to, and it dysregulates us. And I think it makes us feel disorganized internally. Mm-hmm. Like it's a dis- internal disorganization instead of being like, "Yep." I'm just going to I'm just going to rest and I'm just going to go
0: <laughs> go in it and go for the ride. <laughs> well, honestly, I and I think like I'm not one to look for signs. I'm sure, you know, they're all around me, but I'm not I'm not one to do that. And it's funny because this is the second time today that somebody on your end of my computer has <laughs> said that there's so much peace in submitting control giving up control to whatever so the other woman that said that she is a christian so she says you know what i give up control to god and it just clears room in my head to take on small tasks to move on to the next thing and to say there's nothing i can do you do what you can god but i'm gonna Mm -hmm. now do this I've thought about it. I've prayed on it. I'm trying to do what I can, but now I'm going to move on to something else. Or whether it's a more spiritual thing, whether it is spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what you refer to. Or whether it's just through meditation and meditating on something and then saying whatever to a therapist, telling it to a therapist, and then relinquishing control. And Mm -hmm. I think that these two conversations – are giving me a sign. I think this is what people would say, something <laughs> like a sign biting you in the ass. I yeah. think this is what it is. <laughs> but I think this is I think this is an important takeaway for me because I don't think of myself as a controlling person or a person who likes control, but then I feel so um, overwhelmed when I lose mm-hmm. control. So mm-hmm. I think I just, I, I need to recognize when I have it and be okay with relinquishing that and not let it like overpower everything and one thing that you spoke about recently and you you brought up already which I want to dive into is capacity and capability because I think that has a lot to do with control and the things that we take on and what we're actually able to do with that so can you get into that like the difference between capacity capability and why it's important to know
2: yeah so you know as humans our ego and our super ego really thrives on being capable and i think especially when we go into adulthood and even when you know we're younger and we're learning these things like and this isn't like oh this is bad or this is good with this with children but right like when kids we're like oh my god you tied your shoes oh my god you you went potty on your own like we are getting all these which is good right because we want to move from child to into teen into adulthood And so it's part of the journey, but so much of our ego and our super ego, like it's the asking for help thing again, like really can get fixated on this belief that the most valid worthy part of us is what we're capable of, not what we're not capable of. And when we, when we set a goal or when we have an intention or we have a vision of something we want to achieve. Right. So like, for me, it's like finishing this freaking book. Um, (laughs) And, and so when we're when we're doing this right like I know I'm capable of doing this. I know I'm completely capable of doing this. Will it be done in 6 months? I don't know. Will it be done in 2 years? I don't know. Like I don't know. Like I'm removing the urgency from it, right? Cuz be like what really is the rush? Which is hard cuz we live in a society that's constantly rushing us and just like treating us like we ourselves are like Amazon Prime robots or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so Yeah. So when we're when we're going through it, like we have to be realistic around what is our capacity, though? What are our other roles and responsibilities? What are the circumstances that actually are going to create a sustainable outcome for us to see this through? Again, it goes back to like what, you know, for me, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I volunteer in my community, I have friends, like I have hobbies, like, you know, I have all these other things, I have a job. So, like, I have a lot of roles and responsibilities that I'm very committed to that are very important to me or in line with my value. My value is like what I value. Like, for me, family's top tier, number one. And then I kind of like, you know, do put them at like what's the most, you know, important, what I can create space for and then going, okay, I know I'm completely capable of doing this book, but what is my capacity to actually show up in a way that's for me important of like a health and wellness standpoint? How am I going to show up energetically when I sit down and write this? If I'm in a piss poor mood, I should probably not be going, like, at least for me, like I'm not actually showing up because for me, it's a very heart-centered, love-centered thing. So it's like, I want to be in that energetic state when I write, right? So how do I get there? What is my capacity to have like the calm centeredness that allows me to write in a way that feels most authentic to me and feels healthy to me and that sort of thing. And so when we have this, I think, really sincere, honest conversation with ourselves of like, what is my capacity? We are actually showing up from a place of wellness and authenticity. We're, we are saying like, and it can change, right? Our capacity can change all the time. And yeah. So it's like, you know, we we're talking about like process oriented rather than results driven. We create space for being present in our human experience, which is always going to be the most, at least I believe, the most valuable thing we can do as spirits having a human experience is to be present in the human experience because you're just gonna like it's the thing that's helped me feel the best. <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to have panic attacks and depression and used to be you know relying on a lot of medications and stuff like that for that like. Creating a life, investing my time and energy into a life that allows me to be present helps me understand my capacity and trusting my capability without harming myself, without creating self-harm around it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think what you said, understanding your capacity, I think that is so important, the understanding aspect of it, because like we said, capacity changes. Your capacity might currently be so much more than what it used to be. I even think of, you know, maybe the work that I can get done in a day. Like I used to be able to do only one interview a week because I'd be so nervous about it. I had to have like so many notes on my phone. I couldn't just roll because I'd be very nervous. Now I have like point form notes on my phone. I can roll because I am just so comfortable with it. And it's a skill that I've worked on. And Now I'm trying to take one day off a month from my regular job where I can sit at home and do four interviews, bang, 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 in one day. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's like
0: then parenting, then house stuff, then other job on top of that. And my Mm -hmm. capacity has grown hugely in that sense. But then if you understand your capacity, then you know just because you can do that one day or one week or for a whole year running – doesn't mean that you can do it the next day. Like who knows? Maybe when I'm on my period in three weeks, or I'm just going to PMSing. <laughs> yeah, my capacity is going to be at a zero. And if you don't understand your capacity, then maybe on one hand you're going to overextend yourself, and on, on another hand you might sell your sell yourself short. Like if you think that you don't have a lot of capacity and then you start to try more and do more, you might learn that your capacity is actually so much more than what you had thought. Yeah. And I think that understanding it is so crucial and that way that you worded it is so important. Yeah. And, it it, you know, like you were saying, oh, when I'm going to start menstruating. And that's like what
2: I'm saying about like where we're I think a lot of people compare their capacity to. A testosterone driven society. And I know when I'm about to bleed, I'm like, I am, I'm just like, Oh, I'm like the Goody Tama egg. I don't know if you know the Goody (laughs) Tama egg that's just like,
0: "Eh," just like on Netflix. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. the little sad egg yolk. And that's me. You know, I'm just like, "Mm." I'm like, all just like, I need to be so present. The best thing I, I need to do for myself to support my energy is to be so present with myself and what I'm feeling and my emotions and just be in a state of rest and just eating everything um and just that state. I'm not going to sit there and try and force a book out of me my husband is fantastic and understands like we call it shark week and so when shark week's <laughs> happening like the pre-days before and then like the first few days um he's like so attentive like he's already an attentive person but he's like extra attentive right cuz he knows my capacity my bandwidth is pretty I'm on low battery mode and being honest with myself. And then also with my resources available to me, right. My husband is a resource. Our household is our ecosystem and saying like, Hey, I am not a viable source of energy for this family right now. I need you to step up. And because he has a bunch of testosterone, thank goodness. He's like able to really be like, yep, I can, I can show up all the time. I can show up all the time. Like it's just in his, his nature. And I think his hormone levels and stuff in biology to like show up that way. But I think so many, especially women and uterus menstruating folks, they don't realize the biological impact and the physiological impact with like our brain and our thought, like all of these things, mind, body, spirit, and your soul and your authentic being all trying to work together. And like, it, it takes a while too. We're talking about urgency, you know, it's a journey healing and wellness and doing the deep program, doing shadow work is not a five week, you did it. Here's your certificate. You are now a certified healed person. Like that is not based in reality. That is coming from a place of urgency. It does not serve you in the long run. And so I think when we have a goal or we have something we want to do, being so honest with our capacity is like, I'm honoring that I'm a human. Like I am honoring my human experience. I am not, you know, a robot, like, I'm honoring my humanness, which I think is just so beautiful and just so loving for us to do for ourselves and just so bypassed. And it just drives me so crazy. (laughs) It makes me so mad that so much of society is like trying to like convince us that we have to be robots and we have to do everything. And it's just so unsustainable for our civilization. It is.
0: And, you know, you mentioned urgency And this is kind of what I want to end on today. But I wrote a post last week and I was like, oh, like, are we all just faking it? Because there's so much stupid stuff to do and important stuff to do and all levels of things that need to be on priority lists. There's so much stuff to do every single day, whether you have kids, you don't, you're married, you're not, whatever. And it is so overwhelming. And sometimes, it is so hard not to drown in that feeling of being overwhelmed. And then you messaged me privately, and you showed me a picture of an urgency map. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so like such a great tool. So if you could explain what an urgency map is and how we can make one, uh, because a lot of people resonated with that post. Yeah. So someone invented this map, and my
2: acupuncturist gave it to me. So I just want to like, I, I don't know the original source to credit, <laughs> but I'm also want to credit my acupuncturist um, because they're absolutely amazing. It's essentially, um, and maybe I can make like a little diagram and you can like put on a slide so people yeah. can just save it That'd be it. so great. It it's it's like, okay, let's start with your three things, your your purpose, your vision, and your values. And then there's, you know, so essentially four boxes in the left-hand corner is value, vision, purpose. So you have to get really clear on that first. And those can shift and change, but you got to start somewhere. So let's just start somewhere. You don't have to like release some attachment. You're allowed to evolve and change as a human. That's what we're all doing. So yeah. <laughs> anyone's making this, you got to start somewhere, just start somewhere. And then from going up is um, the importance. Well, I'm actually going to just walk my computer over there so I can tell you. It is the, so going up, so I have it on my fridge. So I look at this every day. So Uh, So above that is important. It's the tier of important. And the next to values, purpose, vision is not urgent. So these things are important, but they're not urgent. Above that is emergency. So that falls under important. It's in the box of urgent, also important. It aligns with your, it goes above the values and purpose because it's in alignment with your values and purpose and vision. So that's what's actually an emergency, And then next to the values and purpose vision is distraction. So it would follow under not urgent and not important. And then above that is false emergency. So it would fall under urgent, but not important. So you kind of know what's in alignment with your values, purpose, and vision. So I think a majority of us are experiencing a lot of false emergency
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and a lot of distractions. But when we are able to, and the reason I have it on my fridge, it's like I have my vision board (laughs) in my bathroom mirror. And then on my fridge, I have this. So I can look at it every day and remind myself and reprogram myself with this. That's how it works because I'm a visually led person. So I look at this and check in with myself with this every day, just to remind myself to like reprogram, recalibrate my nervous system and all these things. And it is, it has been life-changing for me to go through life this way. It has been created so much clarity and just sustainability for myself and family and allowing myself to be grounded and present because I I feel so confident of my authenticity of like, this is what I value. This is my vision. This is my sense of purpose. And I'm going to follow what's in alignment with that and dial down the noise because the noise, it can be very seductive. <laughs> When I'm like doom strolling on Instagram, I'm like, oh God, nope. <laughs> We're done now. We're done now. Very seductive, but it's not in alignment with my values, vision, and purpose. And it's, I think as humans, we thrive in like these maps and these kinds of it's like a five minute journal, right? Like I like the five-minute journal because it's it is a, it's a small investment with long-term results. <laughs> And that's how I see this map. It's a small investment with long-term results, which is like, I think what all of us really desire for the most part.
0: Yeah. I think it's – I love this and that's why I wanted to talk about it because when you sent it to me, I was like, oh, this is great. I want to know more about it. And even on a micro scale, so like that, you know, that's more macro, like bigger, like goals, purposes, things but even on a micro scale, what is important today? What is a false emergency today? As you were saying that, I'm like, oh my God, like I am freaking out. I was overwhelmed this morning driving Shane to the train station. I was like, I got so many things to do. And he's like, okay, we'll start listing them off. What do we have to do? So I start listing them. And then I put my work up in there with getting a very specific table lamp. And he's like, Alex, <laughs> Why do you need the table lamp today? And I said, I need it. It's all I can think about. All I need this white table lamp for our our bedroom. We already have two table lamps up there, but I hate them. And I need this and I need (laughs) to get it today. And he's like, Alex, you don't need you need to get winter tires today because there might be a snowstorm at any given day. You don't need the table lamp. We can order it online and it'll be here in two weeks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was such an emergency in my mind. Like I actually physically felt, like, sick about not having Mm -hmm. this stupid lamp. It's so stupid, Nicole. And it was giving me anxiety. And that's a false emergency slash distraction from the actual stuff that I needed to do. But I I also love it because it tells me some of your value, though. (sighs) You value
2: that you – I'm going to guess, like, you like having a home that feels yummy for you to be in. You value the environment. Dealing and flow state with your home environment. So like, I I love that, that your husband also was like, we can just order it and it'll be here in two weeks. He wasn't like, don't get the lamp. He wasn't like, this is, he was just like, Hey, how do we make this more functional for you and not stressful? And I think that's like really important for us to do. It's like running the dishwasher twice. There's like a meme out there about that being like, I'm so stressed out because I didn't do the dishes. And it's like, we'll just run it twice and it's like, Oh, I feel bad. Like we, we carry so much guilt around these things. Um, even though they're, they're really important to us and would help us. And, you know, I love that. Like, cause I think in in there, there's like this golden nugget for you of like a value for you. And when you're like talking about organizing home, I'm guessing a value for you is to feel safe and comfortable in your home.
0: Big time. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it's like, it can show you your value and then you get to work from there. Like you really get to like fine tune it mm-hmm. from there. You
0: know? Like, okay, so
2: my value, how do I tune into? capacity capability and then how to make my life easier and simpler. Cause again, right. Like we can be addicted as humans to doing it the
0: hard way. Cause we can prove ourselves. We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. And I'm like, it's not sustainable. <laughs> and you don't always need to work better, no. not harder. Yes. There's might be a more clever way to do things.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Nicole. Okay. The time has flown by again. It honestly feels like I've been sitting here for 15 minutes with you. Um, but I want to end with where can people go to follow you, hire you, do work with you, whatever it is, everything you do, where is that online?
2: Yeah. So um, I'm mostly on Instagram at Nicole psychic medium. And then I am on TikTok at just at Nicole Barone. I, I neglect that space a little bit. I get overwhelmed with TikTok.
0: <laughs> it's overwhelming. And then
2: my website is osomagicallife.com, but it's OH with a dash and then SO. MagicalLife.com, Um, but if you search my name, you can probably find my links to my website and SEO and and things like that. And so people can explore more of my, my stuff,
0: my jam. Hell yeah. And I hope you guys do. Nicole obviously is wonderful. You've heard her twice on this podcast, but Nicole, thank you so much for hanging with me again today.
2: I had such a nice time.
0: Are you local? I forget. No, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I was like, we should go out and get a drink. Okay. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) We're ever in each other's territory. We will definitely have to do that. (laughs) 100%. But seriously, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Have a great one. And good luck with your uh, 2023 goals. Thank you. You too. Thanks, I'll need it. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
1: Good job, Nicole. Good job, Alex. Thank you. This is the mailbag segment. This is where listeners have sent in questions. You researched them or maybe you didn't, but either way, we're going to answer them right now.
0: All right, we got a good mix tonight. I like it. it. So the first one, this is a listener who hears our Miku ads every, every few weeks. So she says, Miku Pro, we're considering this for our second, but there's no parent screen and it's making me second guess it. Help. So the parent screen is like a separate screen that you can watch the monitor from because the Miku, you watch it through your phone. Yeah. So like I was trying to look for smart monitors actually that worked on a parent screen and really none of them do. The Hubble does, but I don't know anything about that one. Uh, but like Nanit, Owlet, Miku, all the big name ones, you have to do it through your phone. And like we're biased towards Miku we wanted to work with them because we loved the monitor so much in the first place but I was trying to look up non-biased reviews today online everything is skewed towards Miku everybody likes the Miku so much and a big part of it is honestly that your kid doesn't have to wear anything
1: yeah and the other day our internet was down yeah so what do you do when your internet's down that's the fatal flaw of it yeah so yeah yeah, I, I can understand why people would want that hard lined we had monitor.
0: we had one it was the first monitor we ever had for the kids and it was so basic it was yeah. like the crappiest video well, yeah it, that's the thing it was so reliable there was nothing fancy about it but it had a parent screen it was like $50 or less and it was amazing and it worked for years we lent it out to somebody and they broke it who <laughs> bleep that name erica Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, so it didn't work after that. But that was a great monitor. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, we had a Levana monitor, a new one. It was like an expensive one. Terrible. Do not get an expensive Levana monitor. Their lower price, super basic ones are great. Their high priced, expensive ones suck. Do not buy it. And their customer service is terrible. Wow. There you go. Honest reviews. No holds barred. Uh, next question. What is the oldest piece of clothing that you still wear or own and will not toss away?
1: You go first.
0: Okay. I have two from two, two different eras, but the first is in the oldest.
1: would you say? Two eras. Di- oh, it sounded like errors. Okay. <laughs> no.
0: So I have a shirt. I think it's from 95, it maybe 94, but it'll be written on the shirt. Uh, but it's upstairs in my drawer right now. And it was a shirt I made at gymnastics when I was like a kid. And it must have been like super big on me then because I can still kind of fit it. I mean, it's tight and it's short, but I can still kind of fit into it. And I'll put it on sometimes just for kicks, just to kind of feel like I was a kid because I drew on it. So it's like a shirt that I kind of made. Mm. And then I have a pair of Roxy wide leg jeans from hold on I wrote down the date from 2006 so when I was about what 15 and uh wait 2005 maybe and they're awesome I put them on for the first time this year in ages because those kinds of jeans are back in and they're way too low-rising but they're pretty sweet
1: yeah, that's my mom's big claim to fame is, I'm still wearing clothes I wore in high school. <laughs> for me, I, I think I had a 1992 Dream Team shirt, and it was caricatures oh, of every member on the team sitting on the bench, and their heads are kind of enlarged the way they would be on NBA Jam. But that is the only shirt I really held on to. You know, I've I've gotten so big and strong, it's hard to fit into <laughs> But That's even just for sentimental
0: time. sake, right? Like not because like, I was even thinking maybe you might have something from when you were a kid that you held on to for sentimental sake, like my gymnastics shirt. I'm
1: too messy for that. I don't know. I'm just too disorganized. I'm trying to work on that, but.
0: No, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because I have just been doing laundry for the last few days and we have so much shit that we need to get rid of. True. Next question. What is happily ever after look like for you?
1: just married till death and you know there's gonna be bad times there'll be good times but what it looks like is just we gritted through and we're gonna (laughs) be with each other till one of us croaks that's it right
0: well i'll do the romanticized version and you know this because i say it kind of frequently but like sitting there having a coffee or a tea on our rocking chairs grandkids all around us handing out 20s
1: Right. Yeah. That that could be a moment. But what are you going to do?
0: But what that moment comes from us just being old fogies having fun with our family. So happily ever after is you and I making it till we're old fogies together, not dying or breaking up and then having a close relationship with our kids. And if they have families, then doing that or if they have dogs walking their dogs or something
1: what's the minimum age i need to live to for it to be considered happily ever after well what's the minimum age
0: (laughs) Mm, what 70 70 yep you can do that you can hold out
1: no i think that's the right answer
0: okay i'm glad i got the right answer
1: that's the good minimum
0: (laughs) it's a good minimum i'm hoping longer like of
1: course i'm asking for minimums here though
0: yeah Yeah, like what? You're six years older than me. So like realistically, if we can do 86 and you die when I'm 80, it gives me a couple good years to meet, you know, maybe like a 60-year-old in a retirement home and then.
1: You'd remarry if I died at 80 and you were in your 70s.
0: No, if you died at 86 and I was 80.
1: Okay, you'd remarry.
0: No, I wouldn't remarry. Just, you know. Fool around? No, why not? Okay. (laughs) Don't want to do it earlier than then, though. That, that's where I draw the line. Don't
1: want to do what? It. What are you talking about?
0: I don't know. I'm going to move on to the next question. Do you, <laughs> do you think that you can be a bad partner and still a good parent? For example, of course. if a partner is cheating, does that make them less of a good parent because they're disrespecting the family?
1: No. That does not make them a worse parent.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's tricky because honestly, like my own... I, w- I was getting mad, like thinking about it, but ultimately, no, it doesn't make anybody a bad parent. It doesn't make a cheating partner just because they're a bad partner, a bad spouse, a bad husband, a bad wife. It doesn't mean that they love their child any less or that they can't show up for them and be there for them in all the ways that are meaningful for a kid. Like it they're two separate things. However, It gets tricky because it's like you're willingly making a decision that will, you know, wreck the family, humiliate your partner and the other parent of your kids, and then affect your kids in getting a divorce. So it's like, just don't be an a-hole. And if you're going to cheat on your partner, just break up with them and then go and do what you want to do. And at least that gives you some legitimacy and might make it easier for your whole family to move on and easier for your kids not to resent you or something like that. But I don't think it inherently makes anybody a worse parent.
1: No, I, I wouldn't think so. I think it would make you a bad family man or woman yeah. because you're not keeping the family together. But I don't know. Like I'm a child of divorce and I I don't think me rating my parents goodness or badness has anything to do with their ability to stay together or be faithful Mm -hmm. because i would like to think i whether my parents cheated on each other or not Mm -hmm. i'd like to think that i'm not privy to that information and i never know it yeah i think if i did know it that would be a weird parenting move Mm -hmm.
0: like to say to like hold it against the other parent and bring it up with your kids
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. If if the parent who did the cheating told me that or the parent who – the other parent did that, I'm just like I shouldn't be privy to that information.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that it's probably super hard for parents in those situations. But every account that I've ever read, any people that I've ever known that have been through that, I mean, I always hear of much better endings coming out of the stories where, you know, people – kind of keep that from their kids.
1: Yeah, I think you could be a good bank robber. Or sorry, you could be, <laughs> you could be a bank robber and a good parent or uh, a thief and a good parent. But it, it's morally probably wrong to be a bank robber.
0: Yeah, and it's more, and it's morally wrong to cheat, right? And I it's know like, that. That was my uh, yeah Yeah, I know. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I, I think that's a good point. Um, so the next question. Do you think the royal family is going to read Harry's book... And would you if you were them?
1: I don't think you need to read the book. It's all excerpts. His dick was frozen. He had sex with an older woman. Wait, he, I,
0: got, I got. I punched. wrote
1: down the best ones. Everyone's heard them. Have tell they? Me, tell me.
0: Okay. I wrote down my three favorites.
1: Dick frozen, number one.
0: Dick frozen is number two in oh, okay. my favorites.
1: Number one in my uh, hearts.
0: Number one, losing his virginity to an older woman at age 17 in a field behind a pub. He called it a humiliating episode. For and, him or her. For him. And mm. wrote, this is what he writes. She treated me like a young stallion. Just don't do the voice. I mounted her, after which she spanked my ass and sent me away. Mm. The voice helps.
1: Yeah, that, the aws part got better, yeah. Thank
0: you. Uh, and then the second one was during William and Kate's wedding, he showed up with a frost-bitten penis because he did a 200-mile Arctic hike for charity.
1: So if your penis is frozen... Yes. But you're limp, can you still say you're hard?
0: <laughs> well, I don't... Kn- I don't think frostbites keeps it like that
1: there's only one way to find out
0: <laughs> shane heads up north um so i'm he, gonna
1: go down south
0: get out so sorry I don't,
1: it just sounded like it would be a cool thing to say
0: <laughs> harry just ended up putting a bunch of elizabeth arden cream on his penis going to the wedding suffering through it and is then this is a doctor partnership after.
1: elizabeth arden that sounds like a brand name
0: right imagine imagine he was collaborating shane they got to make it money it could be And then the last thing isn't funny or fun or anything. It just shocked Mm -hmm. me. He killed 25 people in Afghanistan.
1: Whoa. Yeah, but he he feels no guilt, though, because it was a war, right? That was kind of his job. Yeah,
0: he said he he doesn't feel guilt or pride. It's Mm -hmm. just like the way it was. But that was nuts to me. I was not expecting to read that. Uh, The next question. Yeah. What do you enjoy most about doing the pod?
1: What do I enjoy most? Uh, the agony, the it, the work looming over our heads every week, knowing we have to find that spare hour. What do we? No, I I enjoy the because there is there can be dread of yeah. of doing it because anytime you have to sit down and what if you're uninteresting? What if you're unmotivated? What if you're not feeling witty or sharp? Or the coming down. The kids, downstairs the kids are down, minutes? and then when the kids start, Lucy's in a phase right now where she probably falls asleep at 8.45 every night. So that means we got to start at nine just to have that 15-minute period where we're certain she's in bed. And then we don't have any relaxing time. So wait, I'm talking about the worst things about it. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) what's the best part? Things like this, like connecting like this and having a conversation that, of course, yes, it's forced because there's a blinking light. But when you force yourself to do anything, like you know, have an intimacy night or anything. It might feel like a modicum of work in the beginning, but once you get into it, you're always glad that you did it. You have a good time and you connect. And I've probably learned more about you through the podcast than if we didn't have a podcast.
0: Likewise. Oh my gosh. And I think that it's helped our communication in our relationship a lot. It's helped me a lot, just from talking to you and from talking to Guests who are like super knowledgeable in certain Mm -hmm. fields and with relationships and things like that. I think we've been very lucky to talk to people about You know by putting our personal issues and things out there to the public I think we've gotten so much out of it and uh, I'm really grateful for all of that, but I like it. I like just the hang. I love the hang with you and like you said it is you know it's like a workout. You don't want to get on the bike at first and you, it might feel like a slow start, but then before you know it like you're sweating, you're having fun, you're really into it. And uh that's yeah, I feel so good every time we log off.
1: So everyone, start a podcast. <laughs> More gain <game> than pain.
0: <laughs> I agree. And who would you like to get on the pod this year? I have 3 people I don't know if it's possible but Name them, okay. Paulina Poroskova. we I've been we've been trying, yeah, for a while. But I think that you never give up. I've gotten a few people on the podcast just by sheer annoying their DMs and just sending them messages. Thank God for the unsend button now,
1: yeah, because I
0: just unsend every message before and hit them up once a month. That's good. Uh, Aisha Curry would. Love.
1: Well, we've had Sonia on. I
0: know. That's what I'm thinking. I, I think that one could be possible. So that's, but that's Steph Curry's her wife.
1: Yeah, but that's her mother-in-law. That's not her mom.
0: I know, but still. Still, it's in the family. They yeah. like, oh, They were nice. And then another two people. It's a couple, but I, I take them as a couple or one. Uh, and I say this because I do think it is in the realm of possibility because we were close to having them before, but Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard I think would be like the mm. ultimate – Ultimate, ultimate. I
1: thought you were going to say the Olsen twins.
0: Oh, that'd be fun. But I don't think they do any shit like this.
1: I don't know. I'll send in an email. Do it. But we can only ask them about their VHS series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm an expert. That'd be sweet.
1: If you had to get one, would it be Dax or Kristen?
0: Kristen. Yeah. Yeah. I'd want to go, I'd want to go mom angle with her. I know Dax is like the podcast pro, but. And I really like Dax. I think he's super funny. And I think he's very cute. Um, but I, I'd want to go with Kristen.
1: All right. I, people have called me a Dax Shepard lookalike, which always hurts my feelings because anytime <laughs> someone asks me or tells me who I look like, I Google, is this person hot? <laughs> so I Google, is Dax Shepherd hot? And it always says no back. Get
0: out of here. It
1: always says no. And then it says, he's ugly. So then I'm like, "Oh no, I look like an ugly person."
0: Dax Shepard is not not attractive.
1: Oh wow. Well, that doesn't exactly sound like he's steaming.
0: No, he's hot.
1: Well, you don't seem believable. You no, close he, your he, eyes.
0: No, cuz I was picturing I was picturing him and getting in the moment.
1: Look at Dax. me and tell me he's hot.
0: Dax Shepard is hot.
1: Who's hotter, me or Dax? You can only pick one.
0: Oh, babe. I don't want to embarrass anybody on the podcast. You are you ding that
1: Well, I'm just making sure.
0: <laughs> okay, our last question, when you're in the thick of it, how do you and Shane get through tough times? Uh, we uh, argue until I cry and you have to come and console me and then we
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's arguing no, well, how do we get through them time? Yeah, We have these bad moments, and then we we try not to let them linger too much. I'm better at not lingering. mm hmm you can sometimes, you need to cool off, period. Yeah. Maybe I can humor you out of it.
0: No, if you, I find that I'm the first one to go for humor out of a situation. You are? Yes. Okay. But then if it carries on too long, and then I get really mad. Because you get mad first, and then I try to humor you out of it, and then you get me mad, and then I'm so mad that you didn't accept my humor, and then you made me mad that now I'm too mad to want to get out of it. You and think then... I'm
1: mad when I'm not mad
0: well that's because you got to work on your tone and by the way we talked about this last week i have had between five and ten which is a lot i would say because these are only the people messaging me Mm -hmm. i've had between five and ten uh listeners message me and say that they have the exact same thing with their partner where they're like they don't understand that their tone is not nice and that they sound kind of angry or annoyed they don't even get it but it's bad
1: You don't understand that I'm a lovely man.
0: You are a lovely man. I understand that. You're so lovely.
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) put it into practice more. Tell your brain that.
0: Um, But no, I, I, I think ultimately it's just talking. Like Shane and I, if we're arguing or something, disagreeing, whatever, we'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until we're feeling better and i think a lot of the time gets wasted in our long conversations well, so the conversations are also the cool off period
1: 90 percent of the time it's me talking like <laughs> basically giving this like lecture and then you'll be like yeah, and i'll be like oh and you'll be like you never let me talk and then i'll say oh sorry i'll like cut you off for a second i'll say sorry what is it and then you'll just pause for like a minute <laughs> like now i can't remember because of you <laughs>
0: Okay, honestly, having being able to have a sense of humor about things is so hard when you're mad, mad, mad. But even looking back and being able to do this, and I think laugh at your fighting habits, and if you can be cognizant and recognize what you do in a fight that's good and bad and everything, that's just going to help you going forward.
1: Answer me this honestly. What? Okay, do you ever pretend that I'm cutting you off? So no. you Just wait. So... <laughs> You try to pick a moment where you'll squeeze something in when I'm like taking a breath. So, you know, I'm kind of going to cut you off. And then I'll be like, oh, sorry. You'll be like, nope, nope. You won't let me talk or you're cutting me off. No. You don't do that on purpose ever. Not once. No.
0: Not once. Uh, You do talk freaking forever though, I will say.
1: You like it. (laughs) You think I like it? Well,
0: (laughs) no it's good for the cool off period because it allows me to cool off and then you talking cools yourself off but i'm
1: explaining myself you don't think i'm explaining myself well
0: no you do 20 times over it's good you explain yourself yeah. very well but very, then it doesn't seem like thoroughly. after after
1: the first hour it doesn't seem like you understand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hour two you like start warming up oh it's my like God. uh what's that movie avatar i'm the avatar <laughs> arguer
0: no, but I yeah, I think it's good. I think just being cognizant of what what the ways in which you're a good and bad arguer. But yeah, talk for five hours and then you're gonna be bound well, to come back. If I had
1: somebody you had to talk back to, like every time I'm like, now you say, and you'd be like, I'm bad Shane, at talking.
0: Thank God I don't, otherwise we'd be talking for ten well, hours. I'd
1: love to hear what you have to say sometimes.
0: <laughs> but folks, that's all you're gonna hear us say for today. So Please go give us a five-star rating. Go give us a review. We love to read them. We want to hear from you. And folks, thank you so much for listening to This Family
1: Fuck. Alex, you have the worst rhythm (laughs) of all time. You try to do this every week. So you have to give me a knowing pause. Okay. So here's the rhythm of it. Thank you so much for listening to This This Family Family Tree Podcast. Episode 158.